the Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to Askell's Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. I'm Louise Hartswell and I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And I'm Julia Harden and I'm Askell's Funding Specialist. And a very warm welcome to this edition of our podcast during the summer holiday. And we're going to talk to start with a little bit about uh, what we've been working on through the summer and then to talk a little bit about what we really appreciated about working in school and some of the things that you're working on. So just to get started, Louise, what sort of things have you been working on this summer? Yeah, um, so work's continued with our part of our collective bargaining. I've been reviewing the pay and performance management policies that have been sent in by employers and also continue the work on school business leaders' paying conditions uh, and discussed before the task and finish group that we've set up for uh, to look at that. Um, and one of the things we've done is shared, uh, the uh, members will me- listeners will remember that we did a survey of members back in February and we shared some of those concerns uh, from the members that had raised about uh, the reasons for leaving and that they were thinking of leaving the profession for reasons other than uh, promotion or normal retirement. And the department have been uh, really interested in this data and they've asked us to provide some more detailed information that's purely from school business leaders. So uh, I did some more analysis on that last week and shared that with the department and they're really really interested in looking at that so that's part of that work that continues uh, and we're hoping that that makes them realize that you know the recruitment and retention crisis as we see it across the profession actually also applies to those school business leaders and we've got put in there some of the reasons that were quoted by our members and some of those things and pay and recognition is one of those things that's quote, quoted by business leader members where that's perhaps not mentioned by some of those other senior leaders. Yeah, that's brilliant, Louise. I feel like this is one of the sort of uh, really sort of important policy line areas that we're working on at the moment. And it's great to be working with you on it, particularly with your experience on paying conditions and that sort of granular level of of understanding that that you've got. But it is also it's really quite refreshing as well to to see the department are are really focused on this at the moment. And um, I'm really happy with the sort of the development and, and how we're being able to feed in, I think, in some areas where sometimes consultation can feel a little bit like it's playing lip service I feel like this is an area where they are they are really listening at the moment and they they really do appreciate the fantastic work that school business leaders do and that we're being able to represent our our members particularly looking at um, some of the information that's out there in the public domain Um, I know there's some sort of specific areas that you've raised to see how we can influence that and how we can improve that for the recognition um, of the profession yeah um and it's it's about that the whole picture isn't it it's about we've we've talked before at language that's um used and non-teaching and teach just saying teachers when we actually mean uh, all school staff uh, and those business leaders not being included in those discussions where they're referring to the senior leadership team and there are some examples that we've seen out there that we've highlighted with the department and we do hope that we'll be you know we'll be making some changes that actually more accurate representation and reflection of the work that our business leaders do within schools. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic piece of work. And Julia, what have you been working on over the summer? It's never boring in funding, is it? It seems like it's consultation season in in the funding world at the moment. Well, it certainly is. Yes. Uh, Thanks, Hayley. So um, I have been looking um, in some detail at the National Funding Formula consultation, which um, came out in the middle of July 
Um, it's a full uh, consultation and the period for consultation ends on the 30th of September. Now, there's always a slight, more than a slight frustration, of course, when things span the summer holiday break because there's less opportunity for either us to to uh, to work together at Askell. But equally, uh, when you're in school or across a trust, uh, there is less opportunity for you to, to put together your school or trust response. But that said, I would urge uh, anyone that can to have a look at the consultation. It focuses very much on um, completion of the reforms to the direct national funding formula. So in the past, you'll have heard lots of comments um, and dialogue about uh, the, the hard national funding formula, which is which is essentially where there will be a formula that is derived centrally and your money will be distributed from that central point. Um, we are the language now that's being used is the direct national funding formula. So this consultation is the first part of a two-stage consultation on the completion of those reforms. So it, um, it refers back to the principles of a direct national funding formula um, and talks very much and starts to think about, well, OK, so if we do um, a national distribution, what what are the other considerations that we would need to make? So it refers a little bit, for example, uh, to um, uh, changing of the funding year so that it's the same for all schools, whether it's whether you're a maintained school, or whether you're um, an academy. Um, it starts to think about um, how we might create um, a national formula or method of distribution for growth and falling roles funding. So there's a lot, quite a lot of really key stuff in there, even though, you know, it's not the technical, um, the calculation stuff. It's really worth having a look at and, and spending some time thinking about the question, how the questions that they're posing, how they might impact on your school or trust. Because if you don't get lots of responses, then by definition, the view is, well, what we've suggested is OK then. So um, timing's not great, but please do have a look at that. And certainly that's that's um, what I've been um looking at and thinking about and both Hayley and um, I um, have the opportunity to um, attend some workshops that the department are putting on. So if there's anything that you want us to to particularly mention, please do get in touch um, via the tellers at askell.org email um, and that will help us um, influence um, the consultation from a um, from an organisational point of view. Sorry, Hayley, were you... What? Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you then. That was no, absolutely no, rubbish of me. Um, I was just going to say, um, um, I don't know the, the consultations in, in the level of detail that, that, that you do, but I really do think it's worth our listeners having a look at that detail. There was one element, for example, that I was looking at within the, uh, the growth and the falling roles funding, where the proposal was for the popularity growth funding to be specifically targeted just at academies and, and a suggestion that that was because that was the best place for school improvements, which I think we've got to question fundamentally whether that is the right thing and the right assumption. So I would implore people to have a real look at that granular detail because some of these things are going to have some quite 
significant implications if they go through in the in the potentially the current format so it is really worthwhile having a look at that detail i completely agree um and and yes i mean what we can't have is part of the system being disadvantaged particularly given that one of the underlying principles of a national formula is to um is to develop the transparency and predictability of the formula and that that you know the example that you've just given there seems um very counterintuitive to that so yeah so so please um do have a look at that and and think about it in terms of um firstly your experience in your school in your area but be mindful of the fact that for things particularly like growth and falling roles the experience across the country determined by how your local authority works and how they um how they uh, develop their policy the the experience across the country could be very different so part of what this is about is developing um a consistency of approach and i think you know we we most people would agree that that does play to the idea of developing predictability and transparency so it would be really good to be able to share as many of the you know the good and probably not so good examples of policy um that that are are going on around the country because if there's an opportunity to get it right this is it um and and apply something that works really well across across the whole country um, I could talk about that all day, Hayley, but nobody would want me to. So. And I'd happily listen to you all day, Julia, as well. You're such an authority on it. But listeners could fast forward always, of course. They've got that option, haven't they, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, that yeah, so that's really taken, taking up um, a lot of my time. Other than that, um, particularly looking out for more information um, on policy developments that have been announced, but for which we are waiting further information. An example of that would be um, the recovery premium. The latest information, um, as I understand it, is that DfE have said, Department of Education have told us that we will get information about that at school level um, by the end of the autumn term. But uh, we're really hoping that we can, you know, we keep asking the department uh, for more information about that because we've got the recovery premium and we've also got um, a pot of money that's been pledged under school-led tutoring funding. Both of those elements um, are in, in the, the recovery funding pot for the academic year 21-22. But we really need to start to get a um, a picture of of how much it's going to to mean to every to each and every uh, school, um, so rest assured that you know we will continue to ask those questions. We absolutely understand um, the the importance of getting that information as soon as possible, so that you can plan how you're going to spend it and build it into your pupil premium strategy, um, because there is an expectation from government that it will be included in that strategy. Yeah, I think that's that's so important, Julie. And we know that that's likely to be an area in the future where schools are going to be scrutinised for how they've spent that money. So it's only right and fair that they understand how that money should be spent and what the caveats are around that so that they can plan effectively to, to deliver the best for their, for their children. Absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you, Julia. So we're also going to have a little bit of a chat about some of the things that um, that I've been working on over the summer. And there's been some really interesting announcements around um, school sites and ventilation and air quality, which if you haven't seen it, I just thought I'd give you a bit of a rundown of some of the recent uh, press releases that we've heard about. 
So first of all, we heard about the uh, Bradford air purifier trial, which as we understand it from reports, there are 30 primary schools with um, funding backed by the Department of Health and Social Care of 1.75 million, where within these 30 primary schools, there's going to be a trial splitting it down into one third being equipped with HEPA filters, high efficiency particulate air filters, another third fitted with UV purifiers, and then the final third being the control group just carrying on as they are without any specialist equipment. We understand this trial starts in September and will run for the year, and that it's being delivered by the Centre for Applied Education Research. And it's it's really interesting to, to read some of the reports around this because there's there's a number of academics, a number of scientists that are saying, I think quite rightly that this is coming too late. Where was this a year ago? Um, because raising concerns with the government around air quality, around ventilation, about the importance of um, the measures within schools to make the environments as safe as possible isn't something new. Now, it's fantastic to see the unions coming together, the education unions calling on the government to do something about ventilation and to do something um, about air quality. Um, and actually, we saw a response to that. The other um, press release that, that we've seen come out over the over this uh, weekend that's just gone is that the Department for Education are backing a project to provide um, portable CO2 monitors that can be moved within learning spaces within a school with funding of 25 million attached to that, um, with this timeline being from September this this September. And we understand that they are going to prioritise special schools and alternative provisions because that's where the most vulnerable children are. We also understand that there's guidance coming along with this. Uh, but one of the key things, again, is that the procurement hasn't been completed. So whether they're going to make that timeline, that deadline that they've talked about of early September for those those first units being provided, I think we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, and, and I think also thinking about what the expectations are going to, to be, I think it's personally, I think it's fantastic that there's there's funding and that, that there's money for this for improving air quality within schools. But I feel it's a bit like benchmarking data that, that using a monitor that's going to, to look at the CO2 within a classroom or within your hall or another learning space, it's only going to be an indicator. I think the really important part is what happens if it goes off and, and if it says that that space um, is is not where it should be and where is the capital funding to support that, to, to do developments. And we know that there are going to be some school buildings where it would be easier to make adaptations than others. And is there going to be um, specialist advice from people who are experts in ventilation, ventilation who can come out and do audits and support our school leaders um, in developing what their school site needs because none of us are experts, school, school leaders as a, as a business leader. I wasn't an expert in, in ventilation and all those um, sort of specialist areas. So I, I do hope that this is just the start of a process. I think I think this is helpful, but I think we need to see this now delivered fairly rapidly. And I think this is really interesting as well, looking at it in the context of some of the consultations. There, there was one that ended um, at the start of the summer, which was the BB100 fire safety. Uh, and you may have seen within the press reports that us and other sector bodies, other unions are strongly calling for sprinklers to be fitted in all new build schools. If you look at the uh, consultation document, the guidance, they're not looking to put that proposal in place. And we feel like it's just 
it's such a basic thing to have sprinklers fitted in a school so that it can suppress a fire and and I think we recognize that the the risk to life is is probably not as severe the the sort of the building methods and um the way that people know how to conduct themselves we all know from our fire safety evacuation practices you can get a school empty within minutes now it is fantastic we we all do it we all practice it but what's just as important is that loss of we saw it within some of the schools in derbyshire that that were destroyed through fire which was absolutely horrific literally decades worth of school resources of coursework of um, children's learning resources just destroyed overnight children being put in portable classrooms all of that impact so i think our ch- your children and young people deserve to have these basic safety measures in sight so that their education is the disruption is minimized as far as possible because i think we've all had enough disruption during the the pandemic and I think one of the, the other areas that I'm going to be working closely with, with Julia on is the consultation on the school rebuilding programme. We know the funding that's being made available. It's not enough. It's, it's not enough. The, the, the data is very clear on that as to what is needed just to get the school, uh, the fabric and the estate up to a good standard. Um, but what we can do, and again, Julia's already mentioned our email address, but if you've got specific thoughts on how um, the the program should be prioritised. We'd be really interested in your thoughts. Should it be on condition, on the fabric of the building, and and with what we're talking about now with ventilation, should that be a key part? Because it's very likely we're going to hear case studies now of schools who fundamentally will need to have some some um, improvements to be able to provide class spaces that are healthy for our children and young people. So, really interested. Some really quite big stuff in the in the school safety space at the moment. Julia, one of the things that I think is absolutely fascinating, and I think generally you were, you were talking about the COVID grants, is where the different pots of money comes from. So with the, um, the school monitors, that funding is coming from the Department for Education, 25 million, but actually the trial, which is just as important to see how that impacts on schools, is coming from DH. SC money and is that something that you're seeing in funding though that it's not always just money coming from the treasury through the department for education that there are other areas other departments that that are funding development works um i I think it's certainly becoming more apparent um uh you know i think i think it's always happened to an extent and and in, in recent times um the the testing in schools program for example was funded um by public health england um through the dfe but it didn't come from dfe pot i I do i agree with you that it's very interesting and i think it's uh it's a flag for us really to to be uh make sure that we're aware when we're looking um at, at you know how treasury is going to distribute funding uh, in the spending review, which is coming up um, in, in this autumn, for example, that we really need to make sure that we are, um, you know, if necessary, we broaden our reading remit to make sure that we look at everything uh, at each of the government departments to see where uh, money could or should be being applied to the education um system if you like uh, to make sure that developments where they are necessary are are, are properly uh, funded across education even if it's not coming from the dfe pot um 
And, you know, and, and that's, I'm giving myself an extra job there. I do realise that as I've said it. Um, but when we get the spending review document, which is huge, you know, it, it's, it isn't really acceptable just to look at a very small, small uh, you know, section which, which is devoted particularly to our, our policy area. We really need to look more broadly and, and pick those things up. And that, that's the only way that we can go back and have uh, informed conversations with Treasury colleagues and, and the DfE. I, I don't think it's... Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's a negative thing because I, I, I think it, it, it's right that uh, experts in the relevant field are <clears throat> are charged with using that ele- those elements of funding effectively. Um, so I don't I don't think it's uh, it, it's necessarily uh, some, something that, that we would we wouldn't want to see continuing. And I, I guess, you know, just thinking about it as we're talking about it there's another area that where we we have a very clear position um thinking about supporting children uh, and young people with special educational needs thinking about education health and care plans um and that that often requires a coming together of um department for health and the department for education to properly fund um an education, health and care plan. So, you know, it's, it's not something that, as I say, it's not something that's new, um, but it is something that we need to be very aware of and make sure that those, in, indeed, you know, we are holding the appropriate body to account. I think it's a really interesting reflection, Julia, and I think that's something that um, that, that that we can learn from and that our members can learn from as, as there, are, there are issues and continue to be different um, issues that come up that we can potentially campaign and look at the crossover like you say um, SEND is a, is, a, is a really stark example of that where there are two government departments sometimes at odds with each other but we know now to be thinking about how we may be able to campaign on specific issues perhaps targeting our um, our communications our campaigning at different areas of the government rather than just focusing on the, the DfE to get the best outcome for for children and young people. Yes, yes, I, I agree. It's, it's been such a busy time, hasn't it? And I mean, we know that some schools are going back this week and some schools are going back next week. And it's, it's really interesting to see the questions that, that come through. I think um, a number of people have been working on, on things like building projects, on cybercrime, on getting things ready for the, for the staff. I think it's it's such an interesting time in school. It'd be really interesting to sort of hear your reflections about what it was like, what this sort of time of year was like for you, what you appreciated and, and what you found really useful, perhaps some tips and advice for, for our members and our listeners who are, who are going back soon. Louise, I come to you first. Yeah, um, I, I must admit, I, I think um, the school holidays, you kind of, at the summer holidays, you always kind of imagine that there's a lot more time that you can actually put to good use in that time because it's it's quite often that you have a pile of work that you leave for the school holidays and it's you know I'll get that done in the holidays when it's quiet when there's nobody around but it's also the time that the building works takes place any big building projects are almost always uh, scheduled in that time and actually also you've got to try and get some of your leaving as well and then your site staff have got to get their annual leaving as well so when you start putting things like that into the mix the time rapidly disappears and um, I think any build, uh, business leader will uh, acknowledge that the building projects rarely go to plan rarely run to time 
time and uh, rarely run without any issues that <laughs> require some uh, intervention in the meantime. So you can plan that you're going to go into work and get all this, you know, these jobs done that you've put to one side. And uh, if it's not the the fact that somebody's uh, hammering and drilling in the wall outside your office, there's, you know, there's an issue that uh, in some of the schools I've worked, there've been class buildings, you know, somebody might discover oh, there's potentially going to be some asbestos. We weren't expecting to work in that area. Or if there is asbestos in there, the whole area of the school's cordoned off. So getting around school is really, really difficult. So things that you, you're taking your stride when the school's open are actually can become a lot more a lot more difficult in that uh, environment. Um, and, and, you know, things like I've, I've tried in when I was a business leader to say, right, I am going to take a week's leave. I'm not going to take my laptop with me. I'm going to go on holiday and I'm going to enjoy it. But then you get a text from the head teacher to say the contractors aren't here and they were supposed to be there. And then they've just decided because they'd got such, a, you know, a six week period that they would take they would put it back a week, you know, and just decide to come the week after, but nobody bothered to let the site staff know or the head teacher know. So, you know, while every, the best planning in the world, you know, you've had meetings with everybody and put all these things in place. Um, I think a lot of the contractors had worked between schools in the holidays and uh, that can be quite challenging. So um, it, it's just, I think, if I think back to the time of, particularly in my last uh rolling schools i had three schools to look after and we were always got building projects going on you're traveling between the three and then managing everything else because some of those were done through grant funding so you've got all the finances to sort out as well then you've got everything else to get ready for september for coming back uh will things be done in time and then i think now to put covid into that mix as well and the fact that leads school leaders have not had ample opportunity to take any leave over the last 12 to 18 months I can't imagine what it must be like for those business leaders at the minute that are thinking, you know, and they've got testing to set up again and, you know, all the other things. The exams has been a very different environment this year. You know, I've previously been an exams officer, data officer and being the, the data manager being the one that's been downloading the results and, you know, all that side of it. So dealing with the appeals. So a lot of our, you know, business leaders will have dealt with that side as well as everything else. So I honestly can't imagine. I just genuinely hope that they've had time to take, you know, at least a week or two away from everything where they can just recharge and not think about uh, the work things and then come back ready to see all the the children return and the staff return uh, either this week or next week, whenever that may be. I agree. I hope so too. Julia, what about you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Yes. So I think think this sort of time, um, if if you're or say a week or two before we've gone back because we know that some schools have already done that have gone back you'd be start i'd be starting to think about preparing for my um term time team to return particularly if you've got new colleagues starting um i'd always try and put in a, a really early meeting um as in early in the term not early in the day necessarily so that everyone could get together um ideally on one of the training days whenever you know when, when all staff are, are there but really important i think to, for you know the team to be able to get together and also something i learned um the hard way uh, to my cost was to make sure that however small change the change may be that you've made to someone's working environment for example if works have been done and it means that they'll be working in a slightly different place or you know the 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 pattern of work um 
in terms of what you know the rotation on a weekly basis for example something like that if that's changed at all make sure people are really you know aware of that because you know what it's like yourself when you've been off for a while and you go I've just been off leave for a week so this is my first day back and I was sort of thinking oh how many emails are going to have there's always a slight bit of, of trepidation isn't there even though I'm actually sitting at home doing this but you know if you if you if you put yourself in someone else's shoes coming back after having been off for the summer holidays, just to make that as, as streamlined and easy as you possibly can for everyone that's in your team, because they will really appreciate it. Um, but finally, I mean, I completely agree with everything that, that Louise has said, um, of course, but I guess I'm I'm going to end on a on a positive because I think the other thing that almost every year without fail, by the time we got to this point in the holidays, I would have a you know a little think to myself and reflect on the fact that I couldn't wait for the uh, the children and the students and the teachers to get back into school now because actually it was all that that motivated me that was my motivation and that's why I loved being there and the energy that that group of people give off is what a school is all about um, and I was ready for, for that all to start again. I completely agree. One of my absolute favourite times of the year in school is the PD day, the two PD days at the start of term. We've got everybody in, all the staff, those that um, we're even normally working wouldn't work all the PD days, but you'd have an opportunity to be together, which was really rare in the year because normally people would be covering or doing duties. So to have everybody together, just really appreciated that and just seeing staff welcoming new members of staff in and looking after them, making sure they were okay hearing about the things that people have been up to over the holidays, the lovely trips and the things that they've done with their families and their friends and just really appreciating what a special point in the year and just how fantastic it is to be part of a school team. And then the other thing I love is the first day, working in primary schools particularly, is when you get the new children coming in. I'm sure it's the same in secondary when you when you get the, um, or, or middle schools, when you get the, the new year group coming in. But just seeing their faces and they've got their new uniform on, they're super excited. Their parents and carers are like a mixture of anxiety, relief and positivity. And, and I just love that. And when the children who have already been at the school come back and they, they might see that you've, you've done something fantastic on the playground or you've redecorated the hall or done some really beautiful displays. And I just love that reaction and that positivity that I don't think you ever get completely the same at any other point in the year and I just think I think this year it's going to be particularly special with with everything that we've been through during the pandemic and and I really hope that this is a really positive start to the year um, and that continues. I completely agree and just just one last thing I was reading an article um over the the last week and and in this article it wasn't an education article but it was talking um, about the pandemic and and returning and they and they used this phrase surviving or thriving and i thought i that is that is so good because that that's a bit of a mindset isn't it are we surviving or are we thriving actually when you think about the the, the output um over the last 18 months based you know the agility and the skills in terms of creativity and innovation we're absolutely thriving actually we're not surviving we're absolutely thriving and i think that is a fantastic note to end on thank you so much everybody for joining us today and thank you to my co-hosts louise and julia and the three of us wish you all the very best for the year and we'll be back soon with another episode the Askall business brunch